Good evening, everybody. Glad you're here. Hey, we're starting off with a fun oldie but goodie. So let's stand up and sing out loud, maybe even clap a little bit together, whatever you're feeling. We're gonna party. Come on. Get those hands going.
Have a seat. But hey, as you're sitting around, you can't hug or high five, but just turn around and look at people around you a little bit. Maybe smile with your eyes, your eyebrows. Let them know you're glad that they're here. That was, that was average job at best. Let me be honest. That wasn't very good. Right now, turn around to somebody and look at them and wave at them and say, you, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to church. There you go, friends. There you go, friends. Hey, welcome to Mosaic Virtual World out there watching on your couches. You guys are allowed to hug, but us here, we're just singing our hearts out. We're here. We're thankful. We're grateful for all that God is doing. My name is Matt. If you're new here to Mosaic, I just want to welcome you and say it is a blessing. This is our, I think it's our third week since Labor Day, since we've been gathering again, and it has been good. It has been good to be here as the church, to hear God's word preached, to be walking through this letter from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, What is the gospel? How does it impact the world? How does it echo forth in the, the corners of culture? How does Making disciples, what does that look like? How does it teach us? How does the gospel teach us how to live? That's where we've been, and it's been a sweet journey. Um, We're going to continue that journey tonight. I have one announcement before uh, I introduce our our friends that are going to be with us tonight. Um, Some of you have joined as we've started a new thing this year called Creating Space. Um, If you've joined us online the first Wednesday of every month, Uh, We've just been pulling up some hard conversations, some hard topics, maybe some of those kind of topics that you just wish at times we would would create the space to discuss, to think through, to pray through, and get this even to have some space to ask some questions over. And so we've gone from politics to hard questions on the Bible. Uh, this, This month, which is this upcoming Wednesday night, I hope that you'll join us Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. You can go through the Mosaic channel. You can watch through on Facebook. Here's what the topic is. It's a counselor's opinion and view on vulnerability, curiosity, and hard conversations. So think back to that moment. Think back to that space right now. You'll probably even start to feel all the sweats coming on. That hard conversation where you just didn't know how to respond. Somebody asked you something difficult. Somebody leaned in. They just opened up a window to your soul, and you just were like, oh, I wish I had a script. Anybody? You been there before? Well, our friend Rodney Holmstrom with Celebrate Recovery and a panel of people that have modeled vulnerability, curiosity, even a sense of humility, but confidence and hard conversations are going to help guide that time. So I would encourage you, plan that as a time to hop on and watch that with us. It's really been sweet. Um, I am really excited about tonight, not just because we're worshiping together, not just because we're teaching the Bible. That is, I mean, that's as good as it gets. But I've been praying for this night as our friend uh, James Hawkins um, has been invited to come and just walk through this text with us. What a blessing and a privilege. Uh, James and his wife, Nicola, they're just, I'm so glad you guys are here. In the back, just a few minutes before, I said, so, Nicola, like I could ask James, how does he want me to introduce himself? But he's not going to be honest. So what's a wife's point of view? He won't brag on himself, so you brag on him. You know what she could have done? She could have gone and said all of his accolades, all of the letters behind his name, all of his accomplishments. You know the words she said? She said, James is sincere. Isn't that good? Isn't that the person you want to open up the Bible with us tonight? That James is sincere and their family, their life versus loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving yourself and he lives it out. 
isn't that the guy you want with us tonight? I know it is for me. Amen. Um, now, she bragged more, but I'm going to brag a little bit now, too, if I can. Okay, um, I did, I, I've done a few trainings through emotional focus therapy through the Joshua Center, and, and I'm like, I'm like the, the VP of James, James's fan club. I mean, I'm like healthily stalking him on all of his social media outlets and stuff and trying to learn from him. And I showed up this summer for my week-long training, and James was my personal little team's coach. And I tried to maintain, like, not like freak out Matt mode and just be like calm and, yeah, like really, like, mm, that's good. But not only did he coach me, but it was like he just counseled my soul for this week. Um, And and so even then I was praying, God, open up a door, open up a window that James could come and be with us now. As our culture around us feels like it's imploding at times, anybody else? All the heat, all the tension, all the polarization. James and his voice, brother, you've been in your ministry and and just what you've done. You have been a space leading voice. You have been a healing voice. You have been bringing practicality to what actual repair and reconciliation looks like. I'm so excited for tonight. So thank you guys for coming. Hey, let's pray for tonight, and then we're going to stand again and keep singing, shall we? Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to this earth, for entering our mess, for moving into our neighborhood, for putting on flesh to being one of us, to showing what life with God and in God together looks like. Thanks for in that life together, you also give us what a vision of loving our world, being sent in while set apart from our world. And tonight as we open this letter again, 1 Thessalonians, will you use uh, James, will you use the text to just Feed our souls, convict us of our wounds, convict us of our pain, convict us of the things that that keep us distant and disconnected. And God, would you use tonight to reconnect us to you and to each other? We're so thankful. We're so grateful. And so your name we pray and sing. Amen. Will you stand with us and sing? Sorrows and trade them for joy. 
tonight courageously boldly ripping off the sin that has brought us down even today setting aside the fear setting aside the the lies setting aside the addiction setting aside the anger the apathy Lord and we run to your altar asking for forgiveness from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord Jesus, even in the stillness and in the quiet right now, we are thankful that you are here, that you
you tell us to take refuge in you under the shelter of your wings. Every trophy 
under the sovereignty of the King of Kings, how great that we can have peace in that as we worship you. And King of Kings, help us to draw near to you because you tell us to do that as well. 
Help us to find harmony in your love. Help us to find freedom in your face. We bow before you the most high. We lift our praises to you because you alone are worthy of our praise. And yet you are still king of our hearts as well. You reign in the most high places and you reign in our hearts as a dear friend. And God, we come before you tonight and we bow before you. Open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear what you want to speak to our hearts tonight. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, All right, man. Matt, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like it just got teed up for me. It's like, so pretty much I'm just going to summarize everything that's been sung and prayed, and that's the whole message, and we can go home. Who's ready? Right? Matt might have a few questions if I pull that one off. No. It is my honor and pleasure to be here with you to talk about our topic, our topic tonight. 
and just a little bit more about me, and I really appreciate Matt for that introduction, you know. Um, yeah, appreciate, Matt, appreciate you, Matt, as a brother in Christ, and yeah, you and your families, thank you so much. My job and what I do day to day in so many ways is I sit with people in pain and suffering, and I help them in places where they feel stuck to find joy, to find hope, but most of all, it's really to find connection. And I feel a burden on my heart in this season in the body of Christ to remind us that the gospel is not just about our own individual salvation with God that is important, but the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is not me just being made right with God alone by myself, but that when the gospel, the good news is, not only do I have a relationship with God, but I have a relationship with the people of God. And if you really recognize it, that even in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, that God, even though Adam was there and God was with him, God said it is not good that man should be alone. And he makes a helper. And part of the reason he brings these two together is to fill the earth with other people, other image bearers of God. Because God in his sovereign plan was like, I want to have relationship with creation and I want creation to enjoy my presence and together. We are built and we are made, we are created to be in connection with God and with each other. Human suffering is when that connection part is cut off in a couple ways. And I love the songs we sang, when we can't share, when we can't take our needs to God in prayer, when we can't take our pain and our sorrow, that breaks connection. But then also, even as I was sitting there and I was thinking and I was listening, church, also another place is God is always ready to show up. His end of the bargain is never in question. Matter of fact, he's already there when you're asking sometimes. But what happens is something goes on and we're just not able to take it in. And there's for many reasons. And sometimes it's because we're in the midst of hard times and suffering. So really the emphasis of our talk is the gospel, connection with God and with each other. And Matt and them, they've already done a great job of breaking you into what this book is all about. And so where I'm jumping in at today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. And once again, Paul is here. He's trying to encourage them in the midst of a hard time they're going through. Paul has been ran out. Him and his teaching team have been ran out. But now he's wanting to write back to the church to encourage them to continue on in the faith that they have received. And so I want to, us to focus on how does Paul join these people in the midst of their suffering, right? And the, and the idea we'll see today is how the gospel comes in, right? And so I got a strange slide up here of an MRI machine. And you probably say, why in the world do you want to have this MRI machine up here, James? And the reason is this. And I hope that this that one is up. I don't know. Is it? No, it's not. Can we get the one with the, the strange machine if it's, it is there? I don't know. But I'll just talk about it. So anyway, so in this research, uh, you know, talking about being alone in pain, this researcher got the idea. He put, now I'm sorry, ladies, I didn't come up with this experiment. Don't get mad at me. But he had these wives, he would put them in an MRI machine, and what he would do is, he would say, hey, you're going to be put in here, and, you might feel, and you're going to see a red X, and when you, see, when you see the red X, you're going to get a shock on your foot. Yeah, that sucks, right? And it's going to hurt. Yeah, the wives are like, why us? We bear the children, we go through that pain, and now we got to be tested for pain and shocks on our foot, right? And so what he did is, he would put them in the machine, and he would shock their foot, and he would watch what their brain would do. And of course, the part of the brain that picks up pain would light up, saying, 
Yes, there's pain in the body to respond to it. Then he got this idea, what if we sent a technician in there to hold the wife's hand? What would her brain do then? And even though this is a technician the woman didn't know, her body still would not, it would respond to the pain, but not as sharply as when she was alone. Because if you know something, church, we are not built to go through pain alone. And so her brain wouldn't light up as much. But if that, but if that wife had a secure relationship with her husband and she could trust him, when, she, when the husband would be in the room and he would hold her hand, her brain would pick up the pain a little bit, but it, but it wouldn't be quite as much. It is just so much more drastic. It's almost like, yeah, there's pain there, but there's also comfort at the same time. And that's just powerful to me. And I think the point I, why I want to bring that is Paul is writing to a church that is in pain. They are in suffering. And he wants them to know that, hey, while you are going through this, you are not alone. Not only do you have God, but you have the people of God there with you. And what's so even powerful that we learn about connection is that the person that you feel safe with and connected to, or even the God of heaven and earth, does not have to physically be there with you to feel comfort. So can I ask you to do, I'm a counselor, so I wanna ask you to do something strange for me for a second. Can you just picture maybe something that's been stressful for you in the last couple months? Not that nothing since March could be stressful at all. Yeah, y'all picked up on the sarcasm, thank you. You know, there's, no, there's been no financial worries, there's been no political turmoil, there's been no hard conversations on social media, none of that. But can you think about a time, though, maybe it's none of that. I don't know. Maybe your marriage has been struggling, your, parent is, or it's, your parents have been struggling with children. Maybe there's been a health crisis or a financial crisis even for you. Can you think about something difficult that you went through recently? Okay, can you even feel that inside of you a little bit? Maybe you feel some of the stress of the moment coming back. Maybe husbands are like, why is he doing this? My wife is kind of punching me in the side a little bit. I don't know. You know, you feel that. But what I want you to take a moment, could you picture maybe someone that's been a support to you or a comfort to you? Or maybe there's a time when God's come through for you. Even as you feel that stress kind of come up in your body and your soul, what do you notice happen in your body or in your soul as you picture that supportive person or maybe God showing up? Even though it's a place of stress, what happens in your body when you picture that person showing up there with you and maybe holding your hand, talking to you? Maybe it's just God, it's just one of your friends that just pats you on the back. Maybe it's just, maybe it's a father figure that would just look at you and say, son, it's gonna be okay, I'm here with you. Or maybe it's your mom who says, I love you and I'm with you and this is a hard moment. Because what we usually find is, even if the attachment figure is not there, it can still bring comfort. And I'll tie in why that matters so much more later on in this message. So what is Paul's counsel to this people in the midst of their suffering? He reminds them of two critical things, and I've already said them, but I wanna make sure I say them again. He reminds them of their connection to God and to the people of God. In the midst of their trials and suffering, he reminds them of their connection to God and to the people of God. Because here's the question, and I want you to ask yourself, in your times of adversity, do you move towards connection with God and the people of God, 
or do you move more towards your own self-protection? And you say, well, what what is self-protection, James? Self-protection are the things we do to take care of ourselves when we do not trust that God or others will show up for us. It could be some things that might look okay at times, but usually self-protection is, usually leads to dark things. It can lead to addictions. It can lead to really you're not confessing, not even just about sin, but you're not confessing your hardships. You're not turning to another brother or sister in Christ for the connection or a spouse. Been there, done that, right? Do you go more towards self-protection? Or sometimes self-protection is something makes me feel unsafe so I have to attack you so I can feel safe. You know, there's none of that going on in today's political environment. (laughs) And you know, when I watch it all, people want to say it's logic and reason. I'm a therapist. People are moved by fear. That's what it is. When I look out there, they're even trying to move us as the people of God based on fear. Church, I got to say something bold. Matt told me to say everything I needed to say. We do not vote. We do not pray. We do not live in fear for our God reigns. No matter who wins, who loses, our God reigns. And we can trust in that confidence that in our times of suffering, he's the one that shows up for us. He's the one that comforts us. He has, he has been, is now, and will always be the one that protects the people of God, no matter what the suffering is. And people of God, our job as the followers of God is not to avoid suffering, because sometimes suffering is when the church actually grew. But I know that our bodies and everything, I tell you, I don't like suffering. I was out on a hike today, and I'm like, I'm ready to turn back. I've got a three-year-old, and I've got a five-year-old. They're tired. I don't want this. This is suffering. I want out of the woods right now, right? So I get it. I get it. I find that in me too. But let's get into our passage. And there's three key points I'm going to hit on in the passage. Connection with God, connection in suffering, and connection with the people of God. So can we take that trip together? You can follow along in your Bible. You can follow along on your electronic one. We're going to be looking first at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And I'm just going to cover it in, in chunks if that's okay. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, and I'm reading from the New International Version. And it reads this. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So first part where Paul is writing to this church in suffering, his first point that he wants to do is to remind them of their connection with God. And how he, does he say that? You receive the word of God, but catch this, as it actually is, not as a human word. In other words, Paul is saying, what got you to where you are, Thessalonican church, the Thessalonians? You didn't get here because of any person. It was not a person that got you here. And so therefore, no person can even take you from here. You received it as the actual, literal, tangible, powerful, transformative word of God. What a good way to be. We sometimes need to be reminded of what's in us and who's for us. When we, because when suffering and trials come on, we get scared and we start doing things. We get, you know, even logical, rational adults do kid-like things when we get afraid. You know, we didn't see any of that past on the, on past Tuesday or whatever day that was. Not at all. But anyway, 
So y'all catching all my jokes out here. Matt, I hope you invite me back, man. I really enjoy being here. Um, which is indeed at work in you. Church, do you believe that God's word will work in you? Do you believe it? And what I mean is, if you actually believe it, it will transform the way you live. If you believe God's word works in you, you can do some bold and amazing things. Matt tells you, I do a lot of what we call racial reconciliation work in the community. It is not something that's fun. I've been called some not nice things and people get upset with me. But you know why I can do it? Because I'm not worried about what people say to me. God's word is at work in me and I trust it that it is a sure foundation. And you say, well, why do you do that, James? Because I believe at a time like this, we need all hands on deck. Satan is for division. God is for connection. I want the body of Christ to come together in this moment like never before. But it requires some hard, uncomfortable conversations to be able to do that. All right. So the first part is Paul reminds them of their connection through God, through the word of God. Not through a human word, but through God's word. But then 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, he drops into what does it mean to have connection in suffering, though? He reads us this. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. So what he's saying is, hey, you have an example here. The church in Jerusalem, the Jews in Jerusalem, they suffered from the church in Jerusalem at the same time as well too, the same way that you Thessalonians are suffering from the people amongst you. So in other words, what he's even saying is, you're not alone in your suffering. That there's a church over in another geographic region that is also suffering. You know, even when Elijah the prophet, after he had defeated the prophets of Baal, he felt like he was the only prophet and God had to remind him, Elijah, you're not alone. I still have other prophets that are out there. Because the thing is, is when we feel like we're alone in our pain, that's unbearable. That's why that, that research I showed you is so impor important. It's showing us that in suffering, even though the red X is still there, it's still shocking you, it's still delivering the pain, but when there's connection, it also provides comfort. And so even Paul was telling them that in your suffering, we can identify with other people in their suffering. And that's something that's beautiful in this world. That you know what, maybe I don't go through the same thing that Matt's gone through. Or Matt's not gone through the same thing I've gone through. But through that, but what we can do is say, I get that, Matt. Thank you for sharing that story. It brings up this part in me. And then it makes me think, you know what, I'm not alone. Instead of saying, you know what, I don't understand your suffering, so I don't think it's real. Or I don't understand what you're going through. Well, your suffering is not my suffering. Who in the world is trying to give out trophies for whose suffering is the worst? Come on. We as the people of God are supposed to join with each other in our sufferings. Not invalidate, dismiss, or attack each other in our sufferings. That doesn't bring any healing or comfort. It doesn't manifest the kingdom of God. Verse 15, verse 16. In their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles. So these opposers are even trying to do what? Block the gospel. Why? <laughs> They want to keep them from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. So their own efforts is not even really about helping anybody. They're trying to save their own skin. They're trying to make themselves feel good. So instead of joining in and trying to help these Gentiles who are following Christ, they become a barrier and a block. And I have to say, Jesus, 
Sometimes in my own effort thinking I'm doing the right thing, check my heart and make sure I'm not becoming a barrier or a block. Make, let me not do anything out of my own selfish ambition or vain conceit, but let me humble myself, right? We'll talk about that some more in a minute. In this way, they heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So Paul has to remind them, yes, you are suffering Thessalonians, but you are also suffering like other Christians are suffering in other places. But in the midst of your suffering, you've become imitators of God, meaning you are reflecting the image of God in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your hardship. You are not alone. God is in you, and the people of God are with you in your suffering. And this is very important because our relationship to each other in the midst of these times is so important. Paul, who is also writing in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, don't only look out for yourselves. Rather, serve one another in humility, in love, for the entire law is fulfilled, is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Translation from modern day, if you were in the same situation, how would you want someone to show up for you? Then you show up for them like that, as though it was you in that situation. Amen? I want to make sure you got that. How do you show up for others in suffering? Think about what you would want someone to do for you in the same situation, and you do it for them. But many times why we can't do it is because we don't allow ourselves to even feel suffering in our own bodies, so I can't identify with someone else's suffering because I avoid feeling any discomfort in my own body. So I have to move away from you in your suffering so I don't have to suffer as well. But you know why I can do what I do as a counselor and as a community worker to bring people together? It's because God gives me comfort in the midst of discomfort. Yes, I want to move away from it too, and I feel it in my body. But when I feel that come up in my body, I'm like, James, God is with you. Don't leave this person in their pain. Stay there with them. Because the thing is, they've probably never had an opportunity for someone to sit with them in suffering. And I know that if you can sit with someone in suffering, it shifts. And I trust that. And that the power of God is there with me and with that person as we sit there and we seek him. But it's not just that powerful from Paul's word. Even Jesus emphasizes this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, when they are trying to test Jesus about what's the greatest commandment. In verse 37, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And Jesus could have left it alone and they would have said, that's right. You just quoted to us the Shema. Love the Lord your God. He is one. But Jesus doesn't stop there. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as your Self. In other words, how would you want someone to show up for you? Show up for your neighbor the same way. Right? All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, if you want to understand the work of God's kingdom, it's right here. Love God with everything in you and love your neighbor as yourself, and you have fulfilled the whole law and commandment of God. Two. Two simple things. I say simple, but it's powerful. It requires us to get past our own sinful nature to be able to do these two things, right? But Paul doesn't stop there. He reminds them once again, not only do they have connection in suffering, but they have connection with the people of God again. Verse 17 of 1 Thessalonians. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you, do you hear Paul's longing? Look at how he's even connecting with them. 
Paul is not able to be there with him, but he still feels like, I've been orphaned from you. I've been separated you. I feel the disconnect and my heart wants to so badly be there with you. How much, how good does that feel? When you, have you ever gotten that phone call when you've gone through a hard time or a text message? You know, Justin Phillips, he knew that I was gonna be here today and Justin's a friend. We went through a PhD program together and that's a lot of suffering. That's a lot of suffering. But just to even get a text, a voice message from Justin saying, James, I know you're gonna be at Mosaic and I'm praying for you. It's almost like my, my big comforting friend was right there with me. And I can feel his presence even though he's somewhere else, right? And look at this. Paul says, once again, I want, this is the point I want to make. In person, not in thought, right? He's saying, I might physically be separated with you, but thought-wise, I'm right there with you. Church, even here in Northwest Arkansas, we are connected with the people of God throughout the world and through all the ages in our prayers and in the spiritual realm. That's why the Bible can say, you know, we are surrounded with a cloud of witnesses that are just cheering us on even as we're doing this work right now. So he goes on, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but who's the blocker here? Satan. Satan always wants us to leave. He wants us to be left alone in our pain and our suffering. He does not want us to have connection with God or with the people of God. But I love what Paul says here in closing this out. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown in which we will glory? In other words, Paul says, what really matters to me in life right here in the, when we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus, even as the song said, we're gonna lay this all down at the feet of Jesus one day. When he comes, he says, is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. You know, what I would love to say is like, when I finish my work here on earth, definitely I would want my prayer for my girls every day is, I want my girls to love the Lord God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love their neighbor as themselves. And even in my work as a counselor, did I help meet people in their suffering and did I help them get connected to, to God if that's their faith? Did I help them connect with people that they were once uh, un unable to reconcile with? And even in the kingdom of God, did I help be a catalyst for bringing the church together? That's the thing that I wanted Jesus to look at me and say, well done, well done. And that's what I want my glory and my pride to be in. What is yours? What is yours? Are you going to be the person that can, one, take in God's connection and comfort with you, and do you help bring the people of God together? Do we take time to delight? Catch this. And this is something we gotta have a discipline for. Do we take time, do you take time, do I take time to delight in the divine connection we have with God and with each other? I am a person, it may sound funny, and I love doing this work, I do like to pull away and just be by myself a lot of the time, and I can get stuck in that place. But even being here in this room with you tonight, it's just different from my body and my soul from virtual church, right? And if you have to be here in virtual church, we appreciate that, and I hope you can feel the connection even as you're out there as well. But there is something powerful when the people of God can come together and, see, and connect with one another, whether it's virtually or in person. It is so powerful. And I'm like, God, I don't take time to delight in that as much as I should. Not only us being together, but connecting with you, God. I gotta delight in that. So this is the thing. The gospel is the good news 
that we have been restored in relationship with God and with each other. And we've got to delight in that. The gospel is the good news. It's not just about me and I've got mine and I've got my ticket to heaven, but also I have been restored in relationship with God's creation, the people who bear the image of God and those who are the children of God. And that's not only that is for the here and now, but I know and I look forward to the day, even when it paints this picture in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, and I'm sure y'all know where I'm going. And it reads as this in Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. But do you catch this? There is connection in heaven with who? God, but also what? People from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That's the good news, that the gospel is not for any one people group, but that God is going to bring people from diverse backgrounds together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be working towards that eternal end right here, right now. Let his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Y'all are allowed to say amen even when you're wearing a mask. There we go. I love it. Don't let the mask stop you from talking to me. Right. But you know, one of my favorite passages, and I want to read this as we get ready to, to move to a close, and I'm going to ask you some questions at the end. But you say, but how do, what does that even look like, James? What does it look like to be the people of God that walk with each other in the midst of suffering? Can you give me a picture? What are some tangible points to let me know what that looks like? All right, usually counselors avoid being pinned down and ask specific questions, but here we go. I'll try and answer it for you anyway. It is answered through the word of God. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading a big chunk of it, but I want you to take it in as I read it because I'm going to make sure and emphasize each point where Paul is calling this out. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, catch that, Paul is grounding you as Christ and the Holy Spirit has to be the source for you to live this life, Right? then make my joy complete. And here he goes in. This is what it looks like to be the body of Christ that dwells together. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you, catch this, looking to the interest of others actively, not passively. You are actively looking at how to serve others around you. Not only serving your own interest, but you're saying, my interest, I care about, it's like almost like this, there is a me, but I also care about the we. And it's not just me, it's a we. I know that's a little bit different for Western mindset, but we, don't, some, we are not called to just live in a Western mindset. We are called to be, to live out the mind of Christ, Right? And it goes on, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. He set you up for that when you liked how I did that, right? Verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, Christ had every bit of power and privilege there ever is to have in the world. But rather, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
talk about some humility and emptying yourself, he became obedient to death. And not just death, the most excruciating death is death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. We sang this just a little bit ago. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And once again, just, I mean, what a beautiful picture we have here, right? So that's what it looks like to live this out. So here are some questions. This is the part where Matt said, I really want to, I need to emphasize this. Because y'all like to have this time where you get to, for leaders, what are the questions we need to carry out of this room to live this out, to ponder this? And so these are three very important questions. You can take your phone out and take a picture of it if you want to write it down. But these are questions I want you to take to the Lord in prayer, to ask him, for him to give you guidance. Don't receive it as a word just from James. I want you to have a direct conversation with God about this yourself. First question, Lord, how am I handling suffering and discomfort in my own life? And really allow him. God, am I moving towards connection in my discomfort and suffering or am I moving towards my own self-protection? Then say, number two, Lord, is bitterness in my own heart, like those Jews in Jerusalem or those people in Thessalonica who were trying to cause suffering upon other people for their own selves, is bitterness in my own heart causing me to mistreat others? And then the last question. Lord, how can I move towards more authenticity and connection with you and others in the various areas of my own current life experience? Let me pray for us. God, I indeed thank you for this, this body. I thank you for these people. I thank you for your word and that your word is indeed at work in us who believe it and trust in it and that you have not left us nor forsaken us. And we thank you for that, Lord. And God, we are thankful that we are not alone in this world as the body of Christ, that we are united with other believers in other geographic regions of, of, of various ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses and all that, God, that we are all collectively the body of Christ under the lordship of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you and we praise you that we can be united together and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing in heaven or on earth, nothing can. And nothing can separate us from one another because it is your spirit that binds us together. And so, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you thank James with me for joining us tonight? I have a journal full of notes that I need some time to, to sift through. But, but James said one thing that really just caught my heart. He said, the mark of our life is working towards an eternal end. Did you hear that? The mark of our life, working towards an eternal end. And I just opened up my Bible again and was rereading that passage as he said that. And it reminded me where that, where that passage closes, chapter 2 verse 19, what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? That Paul is able to paint a picture of his life, his working towards an eternal end. And that is someday he will stand before the throne of Jesus and say, what did you give your life to? And that he can have confidence, look back, and all of a sudden, picture this, when you're there, you're going to hear a cheering section in the top row. 
And the Thessalonians are going to stand up and Paul can say, I gave my life to people not like me. Different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different walks of life. I gave my life to connecting with God, to connecting with others. Friends, wouldn't that be the prayer of our church? Isn't that an anthem that will just carry us? Loving God, connecting with God, even in our pain, and connecting with those around us in our communities. That's what we're all about. I hope these questions sit with you. I hope that you write them down, snap a picture in your disciple-making communities with your families as you go home tonight. Let them simmer, marinate on them, think through, pray through God. How can this be a part of changing me, increasing my connection with God and others? Hey, as always, before uh, we let you go, just remember, we're not rushing you out. Feel free to linger. Just uh, respect a little bit of appropriate space in this unique time. We do want you to exit out the side doors. If you would like prayer, if you have questions, if you're new here and you'd like to connect, go ahead and look for somebody with these really cool light blue uh, mosaic shirts. They'd love to talk to you, pray with you, be with you, okay? Mosaic, would you stand for the benediction, please? Just take a moment, close your eyes. Would you reach a hand out and just conclude our time with this prayer? Oh, God, thank you for drawing our hearts to you. Thank you for inviting us to connection with you. And just as you sent your son, Jesus, he says that we too are sent to love the world, move towards the world, connect with those around us. Make us a people that connect with God and others. In your name we pray. Amen. Mosaic, we love you. Have a great week. Good night.